Hi everybody! Welcome to Backwoods Brothers. Hey, I am so glad to be here with... By the way, I'm Tony, and I'm so glad to be here with... Tommy Walker. Tommy Walker. Now, he looks a lot like Joel, but he's not quite Joel. But normally what I would do with Joel is to give him his favorite drink. By the way, Tommy... I'd like to give you your favorite oh, drink. Well, thank you. That's very yes. sweet of you. Yes. Thanks. Yeah, you told me you wanted root beer today. Yes. And you liked root beer. So we wanted to pass off that as a special thank you, thank you from Backwoods Brothers for you being here. And we want to thank you guys for being here with us and gals. Like we said today on Facebook, bring your friends, tell your neighbors, tell everybody. Hey, I want to tell you why we have a guest today. And that is because my bestie, uh, Joel, is with his awesome family and Brandy and Rai Rai and our mayor and they're just having some awesome time. So uh, they're going to be doing some vacationing um, because it is Joel's birthday. Happy birthday to you. Okay, I just said that to you. Anyways, we're glad that you get to have your 90th birthday today, brother. Okay, actually 37th. But anyways, I wanted to say that to you. Um, look, before we get started, we have some pictures. Tommy, oh, there's some okay. pictures that I wanted to show because we're kind of a family show. When a okay. brother's gone, we would kind of want to like pay homage to him, you know? Okay. So um, there's some pictures I want our viewers to see. Um, but just as we get started, make sure to hit that like, share, and subscribe button. Go to back. And yes. And your audio's back. Where the heck? So, we're so glad that you're here to join us. Like, share, and subscribe. You know, really fast, we had a birthday to end all birthdays. That's what I hear. Yes. You were actually invited to that birthday. I was. But you did have some things that you needed to do that were important, and we got it. But what we got a chance to do, and I hope, our producer, you are ready to show some pictures. We went to Threat Dynamics, and we got a chance to very shoot cool. guns. Yes. Now, Officer Tommy, we did it very carefully. Good. We had people watch over us to make sure we did it safe, and they even let the guy with one eye do it. Oh, my gosh. Yes. How did that go? That went pretty well. All right. I won't well, be using a gun anytime soon. So, wait, is Joel here? Is he actually deceased somewhere? Joel, we won't talk about that. Okay, cool. But <laughs> moving on, <clears throat> officer, I know nothing. Yes. I see nothing. Gotcha. Okay. Anyways, uh, so we did that threat dynamics. It was so fun, and you can see some pictures of Joel up there with a gun in his hand. We went with our producer George, and he actually got a chance to fire a gun. Tell you that man is good. Joel's really good. I can tell you some stories about that. But after that, we had some pizza, which was awesome. And this, I got a chance to plan it. By the way, I want to tell you that he goes. Right you know, Tony. 
you're important in my life, and I want to give you the privilege of planning my birthday. And I go, oh, thank you, your highness. Yes. I get a chance to finally plan your birthday. I get to serve you. I get yes. to serve you. And actually, Excellent. it was fun to do it. But, right on. Um, after that, we went to Rock Climb, mm -hmm. or actually, George did that. And we went also to uh, laser tag. So awesome. again, guns. You see the theme, right? Yeah. We got to um, play with some little tiny <laughs> munchkins running around. And uh, we had a chance to just, they beat us, but we wiped them out. Right on. Yep. So it was good. It's, you know. Uh, and then after that, we went indoor skydiving. Oh, excellent. At, yes, at High Fly. Very cool. And it was amazing. Right, George? Right. Okay. Awesome. He was awesome. It was really cool. So, guys, uh, if you um, give Joel online a big happy birthday, tell him you missed him um, as much as I do. Let's see if you can outdo me on that one. And uh, But we have Tommy here, and I'm just so glad to have you. If you remember Tommy, he was a guest on our show, um, Gresham police officer. I'm going to let him talk a lot about himself. And we're going to talk about some hot topics second half as well. Um, but he became a guest to a host. Guest host. Host guest. Yes. So if you are really good at what you do, you just might come and be a host on the show. Yes. I, I got to say, um, things have progressed rather quickly. Because last time I was here, I talked about the fact that like everything that I've done in my life has prepared me for being on Backwoods Brothers. And then now all of a sudden, I'm, I'm a host. That's right. So, I mean, uh, yeah. You're going to take my job. We'll see. I don't know. Well, I'm wearing your clothing, apparently. So <laughs> yeah. we, in, we, didn't we didn't plan this. We didn't plan this. It we just, didn't uh, plan the red. We didn't talk. Yeah. Did we? No, not at all. No, we didn't. But, like, yeah, not, well, not about this. Not about this. Yeah, a lot, I of, a lot of other you. stuff. Yep. Yeah. So, I got a chance to talk to you, and I got a chance mm -hmm. to get to know you. And from our last time together, I think it was episode 16, you're going to want to look at a 15-minute video. It's called Man on Fire. It is an amazing story, and I don't want to steal your thunder, but it's an amazing story. You're going to have to watch it about this hero right in front of us. Literally, actually, I don't know if you knew this, but you have your own bottle up there yes. um, that represents police officers Excellent. that serve um, daily. So I labeled this show uh, today, um, Who You Gonna Call? Ghostbusters. And I, I actually labeled the show after this. I, I saw a Facebook post, and it really captured me, Tommy. It says, those who hate us still call us when they need us. Okay. Those who hate us still call us when they need us. Mm -hmm. And I'm speaking directly to what's happening in this day and age in the area of policing. Mm -hmm. um, but I thought before we get into that, um, I want to know, we want to know the background behind the man that deals with all the shit. <laughs> Dang. Every single day. Yes. Every single day. Fire away. Okay. Okay. Don't use that word fire. You know why? <laughs> I already tried that this week. It didn't happen so well. <laughs> why don't you walk us through your day? What does it look like before we get to know you a little bit more? Sure. So right now, um, I oversee the uh, our department's mental health team at the city of Gresham. Mm. Um, and so for me, what the average day looks like is um, I supervise two officers and two mental health clinicians. Mm. And we deal with people who are um, either dealing with some sort of crisis or have some sort of chronic or acute mental illness. Okay. And so what I will do when I come in first thing in the morning is I will meet with my team. And then from there, we will go over referrals that we got from like the last 24 hours or over the weekend or what have you. Okay. And so those referrals come in um, through an electronic system. Other officers that are working in the community that encounter the people that we deal with they will send those referrals to us. We go through those referrals and we determine um, 
what, if anything, we can do to go out and follow up with those individuals and try to provide some sort of resource. Mm. Um, you know, are they connected to services, family, do they have medication, like that sort of thing? Because oftentimes what we have found, especially with a lot of the low level, um, low level crimes and kind of our repeat offenders is that oftentimes there is a mental health component to that. Our team specifically focuses on jail diversion. And so that's something that, you know, um, jail diversion. Yes. What is that? So... Let's say that you have an individual who's going into a store and they're chronically shoplifting. Um, and we contact that individual and as we're having a conversation with them, we determine that, hey, something's, something maybe isn't, you know, um, something's, something's going on, something's not right. And maybe somehow we determine that this individual has some sort of mental health history. Mm-hmm. Rather than, you know, potentially transporting them to jail. Um, we might try to offer some sort of service instead to maybe get that person back on track, for example. And then from there, they will avoid going into the store and shoplifting or something like that or trespassing or like whatever the case may be. You actually have that department already within your. That's what I supervise. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that kind of innovative or. So Portland Police Bureau developed their program, I want to say back in 2013. Um, Before that, um, departments, you know, started developing a crisis intervention training program, which the city of Gresham had. um, And of course, the Portland Police Bureau has had it for quite some time. Mm -hmm. And so this, we've kind of developed these programs. The one thing that's unique, um, at least in our particular region is that between Gresham and Portland, we have a co-responder model where we actually employ clinicians to go out with us to the scene and contact individuals who are either experiencing a crisis or that are somehow involved with the police. There you have it, folks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so another thing that we'll offer too, um, you know, maybe we have a domestic violence issue and we have people that are dealing with significant trauma. We can send clinicians out there to deal with victims of domestic violence and kind of, you know, we can kind of, help them through that process. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, as far as the initial example that I gave, that's kind of really down and dirty scenario of something that we might do. Um, but then also in terms of like our crisis intervention team, you know, which we are a part of, um, we will respond to incidents where, you know, maybe there's a family disturbance with a mental health component and maybe it's not safe to send a clinician into that scenario. Yes. We'll send officers that have, you know, um, more in-depth skills on how to deal with those types of crises and intervene. And then once the scene is safe, then we can bring in the clinician if that's what we need to do. Wow. So that's just a really rough. So like, like I said, after we go through, um, after we go through our referrals that I had mentioned earlier, um, we will go out into the community and contact those people and see what it is we can do. And then of course, contact them after the crisis. We, and so that's where I was going with that. So that's the thing is like right now, because of, um, our program and the size of the program, we work, we basically work bankers hours, you okay. know, we're Monday through Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, and we work during the day. Yes. However, um, it's police work or it's 911 calls. And so if we get a situation that requires a crisis response, we will divert, from what we're doing and we'll go out to the scene and we'll assist patrol and we'll handle those um, incidents. Wow. So okay. that's, that's, that's basically my day in a nutshell. That's yes. your day in a nutshell. Yes. But you go in, you come in to work, mm-hmm. you, do you suit up when you get to work? Yes. Okay. So you, when you get to work, you yep. go check your referrals, yep. you go from there to get coffee. Uh, sometimes. Okay. What else? I'm not a big, like coffee shop kind of guy. So oh, like, you're not. I'll go through the drive-thru. You go through the drive-thru. And then I go to my office. Yeah. And then you go to your office. Yes. And then. Yeah. And then that's it. My team is typically there. And uh, from there, we just start in on referrals and get caught up on, you know, whatever business we had the day before and 
that's going to help you start out. You said your team is there, and actually that leads me to our next question. How sure. many hats do you wear, brother? How many, <laughs> how many hats so, do you wear? So, um, in the capacity that I'm speaking tonight, I am the uh, president of the Gresham Police Officers Association. Yeah. Could so, you do a little bit explaining on that? Sure. So, um, you know, people hear about, like, you know, police unions and all that kind of stuff. You know, basically, I am the union president for the Gresham Police Officers Association. Mm -hmm. And so what I do is... We do contract negotiations. Um, you know, we will assist our command staff in developing policy and procedure. Hmm. Um, you know, and all kinds of other wonderful, fun, <laughs> brain-numbing things <laughs> that go along into it. And the pay is amazing. The pay is amazing. Oh yeah, it's fantastic. Is that a facetious? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah. Paid paid um, less to do more. Pretty much. It's one of those, I mean, it's, 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 I was elected into the position. It doesn't really come with any type of monetary compensation. Yeah. It's very necessary work because we have to make sure that like our members are protected and that they um, are represented. Okay. Um, I'm very fortunate because especially where I work, we don't, we don't have a lot of like disciplinary type problems, which yeah. is awesome. In, and so, it, yes. So mm -hmm. it makes my, as union president, it makes my life very easy. Yes. And so um, but in terms of like collective bargaining and all that kind of stuff, you know, contract negotiations, that can be daunting. Yeah, it can be. It, yes. Absolutely. And then, in, like I said, and I alluded to this the last time, we have a lot of transition that we're going through in our city right now with the new city manager and the new police chief. And yes. So, but it's all in all, it's um, we're uh, we're working through it, man. Working so, through it. And then on top of that, um, I supervise our rapid response team. Um. We were assisting a little bit of that. Yeah. yeah. So these are the teams that go in and or it's, or it's referred to sometimes as RRT, but mm -hmm. we go in and we were assisting Portland, um, you know, during all the civil arrest, civil yes. unrest, I should say, in downtown. So I'm in charge of um, the training and, um, you know, and everything that goes along with that and then the deployment of those resources. You're responsible, responsible for the training and the deployment? Mm -hmm. Yep. Wow. Yeah, and so and then and, also and not deployment, yeah. deployment, but being down there with them. Oh heck yeah, yeah. yeah you're sure. not just yes. training from a high, hierarchy, right. yes. but you're actually down there shoulder to shoulder. Oh yeah, absolutely. With them, yes. Hence, that's what the story I was referring to that you need to watch, viewers. Mm -hmm. You have to watch it. It will shock you. It will, yeah, and it might not shock you. It just it gives not. you a yeah. clear view of what's really happening. And so also too with that, you know, our mission has changed a little bit. You know, once Portland, once all of their RRT personnel quit. Um, which was highly publicized here earlier. That's this year. right. Um, our mission has changed, and so we basically focus on um, vital infrastructure and life safety, and that's about it. Life safety and vital infrastructure. Can Correct. you explain that in a nutshell for us? What sure. that looks like. So, depending upon the group, um, you know, that's you know um, whether they're vandalizing or protesting or whatever, we're there to ensure. Um, you know, that like, let's say that we have an instance where somebody's attacked in the, cr uh, in a crowd, mm -hmm. you know, or a building's on fire. We are going to either go in and extract those people from the crowd, or we're going to get people out of the building in terms of vital infrastructure. You know, it could be a resource. It could be, you know, um, you know, county buildings or dispatch or like whatever we are going to defend those assets and make sure that nobody gets inside of those places. Mm -hmm. So you're responsible for um, life-saving mm -hmm. without um, de-escalating the situation. Well, so that's the thing is, I mean, you know, whenever, depends on, you know, your definition of like de-escalation. Uh -huh. Did you say escalating or de-escalating? De so, okay. So in terms of, 
my your hands tied on that or oh yeah getting at it, it depends on the circumstance uh-huh. right and so like we want to be able to intervene by either showing you know like um you know the police show up and they're going to show their presence mm-hmm. you know in the midst of you know this type of situation depending upon the circumstances if it's a if it's a peaceful group then we may not have to have any presence at all whatsoever right however if things change and the group is not peaceful um you know we could be displaying like our presence and just saying hey we're here you know like mind your p's and q's or we give announcements you know you need to disperse you need to not break the law you need to you know those types of things Uh um and then from there um you know so we'd be giving warnings and things like that and then from there you know it 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 goes up from there Gotcha. So, yeah. Gotcha. You know, um, the next question uh, is a little bit of a different one, and mm-hmm. it's almost like we don't know, but what are some of the critical issues facing um, the police department? Sure. Not just here in Portland, but all over the country. Yes. Uh, just give us a little bit of a snapshot of what are some of those critical situations. That are sure. Happening. I think the biggest thing right now is staffing staffing and i mean it's definitely it's definitely an issue um in our region and i unfortunately i think it's going to get significantly worse before it gets better um especially in the metro areas what you're seeing are skilled experienced talented law enforcement um you know that have gone through you know um the civil unrest um the complicated relationships with city government and um, command staff. And so you're seeing those officers basically kind of say, Hey, this isn't worth it anymore. And they're either leaving the profession or they're going elsewhere to a more friendly environment. Morale. Yes. Morale is a huge issue right now. Yes. Hey guys, actually, um, we're, I'm going to get back to that in a second, but do not forget just because we're, we may not be taking questions tonight. Um, because this is a full show tonight. We have some really good discussion coming up, um, but we want to make sure that you are still interacting. So please feel free to type in the box and and all and make your comments, and we'll possibly get to some of those next uh, next week. As a matter of fact, as we're a weekly show. Hey guys, we're coming quickly to a break, and so. Before we go to break, I want to ask you: What kind of garbage container are you drinking from? Cardboard, plastic, tisk tisk. What you need is the finest in glass containers. The Backwoods Brothers Mason Jar. Let your neighbors know that you are diverse, equitable, and by golly, you're inclusive. D E I. <laughs> we'll be back. <laughs> All right. Did we get it? We're good.
Hey everybody, welcome to Backwoods Minute. I am Backwoods brother, Tony, and I wanna share with you a quote. The world may not change if you adopt a child, but to that child, their world will change. Devoted means that you place their needs, the child's needs above your own, if you're an adopted parent. My mother modeled that pretty well. She modeled that in heart. One of the things that she did was in heart, she adopted me at the age of 14. I was in her home since the age of six. So she cared for me as I was her own child for many years before making that choice. And as a single mom adopting a young man, it was not a popular thing to do, but she did. And she went the extra mile to hide me in a place and basically said, Quartz, if you want to take my son, I really want you to prove that you love him more than I do. So she cared for me in heart. Then she cared for me in head. She constantly made sure that my academics were in place. She went from school to school with me as a visually impaired person. We'd gone to a total of nine schools where she would literally sit in class with me and help me if I didn't have those means to be helped. So she helped me in head. And lastly, she helped me in hand. Everything that she had, she passed down to me. And I can understand why she would. And in some ways I wondered why she did what she did when I wasn't her biological child. She used her heart in adoption, her head in making sure I became the person I am today, which is a therapist. And she used her hand by making sure that I knew that I wasn't walking this life or my early life alone. She did what she had to do. So I leave you with this quote again. The world may not change if you adopt a child, but to that child, their world will change. Thank you for joining us. Good evening and welcome back to the Backwoods Brothers. It wouldn't be a live show if there wasn't some sort of 
Logical, thing yeah, happening. Like technical <laughs> difficulties. We have the best guy behind the scenes. Yes, we do. Yes. Bullshit. Yes. So <laughs> he called BS on that one. So before we continue, I just want to say if you enjoy what you're seeing, smash the like button and subscribe. Joel and Tony are here weekly, providing you with the most honest and intriguing content. But today we have Tommy, I mean, a.k.a. Ben Shapiro. No, Jesus. I mean, you just totally Ben shapiro the break, you he's, know? He's... <laughs> I mean, Ben Shapiro's going to sue me. That's what's going to happen. He's an attorney. you got to be careful. Oh, shoot. Yes. Ben, sorry. Okay. Yep. What we were talking about, we're here with you, Gresham Police Officer. I am so proud to be your friend. I just want to say that. No, thank you. Okay. I'm proud to be your friend. Yes, and I feel like I can do anything I want and just get away with it. Just oh, joking. Wow. That's Jesus. not true. That's not true, people. Don't <laughs> believe it. Yes, the man with power. <laughs> hey, we're talking about the police shortage, and yep. you left a, us with kind of a picture, and I asked you before the show to give us really a picture of what this is going to look like, or possibly could look like. We don't know what the future holds, sure, but how bad is it? Uh, so, I mean, it's it's not it's not good, um, and it's I think that this is going to get unfortunately, I think this is going to get way worse before it gets better. Um, you have a lot of a lot of people out there that don't want to do this job. Um, because of, um, because a lot of misinformation and a lot of, you know, gosh, I mean, take a look around, like all the civil unrest and everything else. Mm -hmm. Like who would want, who, who would really, who really wants to stand up and, and do this right now? Well, knowing that their job could be over at any time based or, or on your, or your perceived wrong move or your freedom or your freedom, you know, your financial freedom. Like, I mean, everything is at stake. And so... You know, when you have people, when you have politicians that jump on a bandwagon of, you know, um, you know, basically defund the police. When you say defund the police, you're basically telling people, I don't need you anymore. Yeah. Go away. Yeah. And so those of us that remain, you know, you have, you, you really question how far you're going to stick your neck out. Yeah. And so, you know, like I said, we're working through things. I, I, I will say that I think that things are kind of starting to swing back. In the opposite direction, like if you take a look at Portland, you know, or or the or Multnomah County in general, with the amount of gun violence that we're experiencing and everything else, every night, yeah. And then and then on top of that, you look at you know um, the business, homeless, yeah, home. I mean, homeless issues. You know, businesses in downtown Portland that are Leaving. being decimated. Yes. Um, I think that there are certain things about this movement. You know, if we looked at it honestly, um, and um, intelligently that we could have worked through and that we, in, in, I think that people could have, um, that we could all, you know, get on board with, I, you know, um, but there was such a knee jerk reaction. I think that things are starting to come back in the opposite direction, but people are kind of starting to wake up and go, Holy crap, we made a huge mistake. They'll never admit it, but yeah. they're, but they're, they're starting to realize. I hope, I hope we do. Yeah. I hope we do yeah. wake up because I saw an infomercial, uh, not too long ago mm -hmm. on, um, uh, on YouTube mm -hmm. that was <laughs> a lady pleading for support down in Portland. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to say she looked really desperate. Sure. Um, but I wanted to say, you know, too little, too little, too late. But at the same time, and I'll get to this later, mm -hmm. um, maybe, as you said, you have an optimistic view about how things might mm -hmm. end. And I want to hold on to that. Um, what are your some of your de-escalation procedures in your department? 
So it's kind of interesting, you know, because this this has been a big topic of conversation is de-escalation. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is it's like for many years, for decades, like police officers have engaged in de-escalation. Yeah. And by and large, really, it's just talking to people and kind of you have to maintain like your safety and the safety of others. But the thing is, allowing people at times a space to allow themselves to you know, to, for allowing themselves to kind of, you know, get out whatever energy that is, that negative energy and bring themselves down. Like, you know, for example, self-regulate. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, so, so for example, um, we had an instance with my team, um, a while back where, um, we haven't, we had an individual who showed up at their parents' house and, um, kind of pushed their way into the house um, there were several factors that kind of complicated the situation. Number one, we had a pretty significant language barrier. Um, we had an infant in the house and we also had um, an individual, uh, who was a, uh, quadriplegic and wasn't able to get themselves out of the house. So this person comes in, there's a conflict between the individual and their parents. And all of a sudden, uh, the person acquires what the family described as a hammer, which is not good, uh -huh. but they start smashing everything in the house and, and, um, they're clearly um, in a state of crisis and they're clearly upset. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, but the thing is, it's, it's a, it's an instance where the police get called out to intervene. Right. And so um, we respond and because there's a language barrier, we determined it's not a hammer, it's a pickaxe. It's a pickaxe. Yes. And this person has acquired it and they're smashing everything up mm -hmm. um, in sight. So, so you're having, having to shift your, your mind that quickly. sure you're prepared for a hammer. Right. And so, which, like I said, a hammer's bad enough. Right? It's bad enough. Yes. Right. But now you add like a full on pickaxe and that's sure. a really bad day. And so, yeah. Okay. So like, how do we deescalate the situation? Well, we've got to get the family out of the house into a point of safety. Mm -hmm. Well, we've got a person who's quadriplegic. How are we going to get them out of the house? Because there's no ramp to the front door. There's, you know, now it goes, you know, they have to go out the back of the house and down a ramp and out the side. So being able to like go in and like isolate the family and get them out of the house, okay. getting the infant out of the house. Yes. At that point, the person in question moves to the backyard. Well, there's nobody in the backyard. Mm -hmm. We've got some property that they're smashing up. But the thing is, it's a, it's like a, it's patio furniture and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And then over, but the thing is in time, they were able to, to bring themselves down. However, we had containment on the house. We weren't going to allow this person to go anywhere else, but we were ready to react but over time, the person was able to bring themselves down. We went outside, they dropped the pickaxe, and we took them into custody safely. Wow. So it's things like that, but every situation is different. Yes, it is. You know, um, and it could be, it could simply be you're dealing with a person who's really upset, and you're kind of the sounding board for them to go off on and to be in and to be heard, you know, and that oftentimes will bring will will calm people down because Absolutely. they're not being heard. They yes. need to process and they need somebody to process with. Right. Verbal processors. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so there's all kinds of different things that we do, but like law enforcement has been doing this forever. And the thing is, if we weren't doing this, there would be all kinds of problems all over the place. You think? Yeah. yeah. And so, so in terms of like procedures, um, you know, I can't say, you know, specifically it's like, yeah, we have like a one size fits all policy yeah. or, you know, or procedure. It's like, it's reliant upon the situation. Also, too, it requires training, yes. you know, experience. Yes. Um, and that's... Intuition or in being intuitive. Yeah, in the it, yeah. But also, too, in kind of that, like, stress inoculation of dealing with people that are in those circumstances where we're really fortunate in Multnomah County is that we do get a lot of exposure to those types of events. Mm -hmm. And so... 
Um, that's where I'm concerned is because you can't put a price on that. Mm. So as people drop off and they leave the profession or they go elsewhere and they take that experience with them, okay, well, we have to develop new people to gain that experience, you know, and, and it takes time. I was saying on a show a while back, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a clinician, I'm a counselor. Um, uh, I would want to be the second in response. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be the first at a crisis like the one in which you describe. Sure. I want to be the second. Right. Um, if we, uh, if, if the department were to give this crisis intervention mm-hmm. to the average clinician, mm-hmm. would we be equipped to do it? No. And, you know, it's funny that you say that because in that, per- you. In that particular instance, in it, and I'm not knocking clinicians. Like, mm-hmm. There's absolutely... Don't knock clinici- clinicians. Sure. We know where to find you. <laughs> so that's the thing Go. is that... Go. There's absolutely like a space, you know, for that. The problem, though, is that when you talk to a clinician, a clinician's like, I'm not going in there. No, we have common sense. Right. And that's the thing is they're not, if you want to hear something a little bit more anecdotal and kind of funny, I know there's a family show, but I can tell you about. Hey, say what you got to say. That's what Joel would say. Right, Joel? Right. Okay. So like another instance. So here's the thing. I think that I honestly do believe that police would love to get out of the mental health business yesterday. Uh Uh-huh. Right. Yes. Because the thing, especially in the state of Oregon, like our laws are such that you don't have a lot of options out there. Mm-hmm. You know, we've we've um, unity is always on divert. Mm-hmm. Um, hospitals are overwhelmed, especially with the pandemic. Yes. Um, there's a lack of jail space, but we don't want to be sending people with mental health issues to jail. And yes. I mean, so it's it's so it's complicated. As right? you described earlier. Yeah. Right. And so. Um, so for ex- so <laughs> this other example there is a motel in our city and uh in our city of Gresham sorry sorry I, I take yeah sorry in Gresham okay yeah and they house a lot of um a lot of the mental health community okay. and you know uh, cities and private entities will fund you know, housing for you know their clientele and that sort of thing so we had an instance I heard this call come out. It was like right at the end of my shift, and it, but it, but it was this particular place, and I was like, eh, I should probably go over there. Uh-huh. I know the staff. I know a lot of the people that that reside there. Okay. I'm like, I'll probably be able to figure this out. Right, right. So I get there, uh-huh. and um, the, the desk clerk is is like, this person's drunk and they're refusing to leave, and you know they haven't paid, and I'm kind of like, okay, you know. And so without warning, the person like takes off. And they go running over to this room and they hit the key fob and they open the door and there is this guy laying on the bed and he is actively just like going to town on himself. Oh. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he's shouting like numbers and directions into the air. Okay. Right? Yeah. So like as a first responder, I'm looking at this and I'm kind of going, okay. Um, a normal day. Yeah. And so, and, and I'm like, what in the hell? So I convince this gal to like get out of the room and I'm trying to reason with this guy, but there's no reasoning um, because he is, he's psychotic. Yeah. I, I, I mean, he's clearly yes. psychotic. He's not drunk. Yes. As it turns out, we, we he's turn, in psychosis. Yeah. We turn out, it turns out later on, we determine like he's off his medication. Uh-huh. Um, you know, he's Probably a schizophrenia kind of. Thing. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't, yeah. I mean, I'm certainly not a clinician, but the thing is like mm-hmm. from my experience, I'm like, yeah, this guy's in some sort of psychosis. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. But as a police officer, I'm like, well, He's alone in a motel room. Uh-huh. He's not necessarily dangerous. No. And I like I don't have the capacity, at least based upon those. And he's self-soothing. Yeah. In 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 those types of circumstances, I don't yeah. have 
the capacity to like put place them on a hold simply based upon that. So I have yeah. to call for a clinician to come out mm -hmm. and make that assessment. So they show up a while later and like the circumstances are still the same. Mm -hmm. And I'm, and, and they're like, they look at me and they're like, call an ambulance. You know, and they're like, Oh yeah, sure. So I call an ambulance. The ambulance shows up. Um, when we go to actually remove this person from, from, from their bed, the fight is on and we have to fight this person over to a gurney and you know and it was like low level force we're like restraining and that sort of thing but the thing is like the police had to be involved in that circumstance yes. to get this person to enforce the hold that the clinician had put on this person right? yes and so it was really funny because like i you know i kind of joked with with the uh, clinicians that showed up there were two female clinicians and i and i kind of joked i said hey are you uh you guys ready to deal with this by yourself and they both looked at me and I wear a body worn camera and they screamed into the camera, you know, no, we're not going to do this. You know what I mean? And oh, wow. So what it comes down to, honestly, at the end of the day is that there is, there's a place for the police. There's a place for the clinicians. We just have to learn to work better together. And fortunately, like where we're at, yeah. we've established that program and we work really well together. Right. You know, right. where historically we just didn't, those pieces didn't work together. I don't want to get myself in trouble with this and go off on a tangent. Sure. But in my profession, you mm -hmm. find that a lot of, of my profession is are, are, are mainly women heavy okay uh, in, in counsel as, as clinicians oh okay uh, sure. so going into that situation with yeah. that particular guy not say that women can't do it mm -hmm. it's just in that situation probably would have been uncomfortable even for them oh I think so I think they were I mean they were definitely uncomfortable with what yeah. you know, that's the thing too is sometimes we deal with individuals that are hypersexualized yes you know that's and, wise. and, and yeah. so you have to you have to balance that I with, yeah. you know, and that's another thing too, where we work well together is because we can balance that dynamic, mm -hmm. you know, where maybe I can step in and say, Hey, you're being inappropriate, you know, and let's, you know, let's change the, let's, you know, redirect or change yeah. the, you know, the topic of conversation or whatever, yeah. you know, but to have that, that presence, you know, and to be able to work together is, you know, yeah. You, you know why you're on the show? Because I really want to work with you. <laughs> I want to see. You know, my my day is kind of benign compared to oh, yours. Man. Hey, um, give us some advice. We live here in Estacada, mm -hmm. um, and there's been a rise in crime even here in Estacada. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and there's been a lot of talk online mm -hmm. about community watches, about mm -hmm. doing your own type of watch here. But yeah, can you give us some advice on um, even if we need a police force? How can we? Um, uh, be a, a self-governing body until the police force arrives. Uh, is there anything that you um, can give us in terms of uh, where we're at, yeah. ways that we could possibly? Sure. I mean, I think that do something about. What I love about this community is that it's very like closely connected, and people communicate with one another. Yes. This is a community where like neighbors talk to each other. Um, and, and I think that's the most important thing is you have that sense of community where people feel there's a connection there. Mm -hmm. Um, and so to be able to maintain that, um, is, is absolutely huge. The other thing too, that's really awesome about this, like during the fires, for example, um, people really stepped up, you know, like emergency services, like there would be in any type of crisis situation yes. like we experienced out UCW. here. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Go. Yeah. But that's the thing, though, is it's kind of like people really stepped up to the plate. Mm -hmm. They were vigilant. Mm -hmm. They weren't. Um, they were vigilant, but they weren't hyper vigilant. Yep. Our mayor was down there. Yeah. Doing, 
you know. And, and, and I mean, people stepped up and they filled that void where like emergency services couldn't be present. And I, and I think that that's, mm-hmm. you can't lose that, yeah. you know. Now, granted, this community is going to continue to grow. As far as like yes. a police force and like the need for its own police force, I got to tell you, law enforcement is the animal that eats but never poops. <laughs> and I mean, it is, public safety is very expensive. And so I, you know, I, I know a lot of people that work in Clackamas County, they really enjoy being out here. Um, but, um, yeah, that's, that's a tough call. I don't know if, if this place actually needs their own law enforcement agency per se. Mm-hmm. Um, we are a growing community. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. About 5,000 now? Oh gosh. I look around at all the development and everything else. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. You know, and, and here, and I, I mean, gosh, I, you know, I, you know, I, I, you know, if, the, if I the, have, to, I have not said anything about where you live. Oh, for sure. No, but it's one of those things where it's like if if this like if this community like if the walls of the trails in could talk, mm-hmm. you know, and like where mm-hmm. where this town has come from, yes. you know, and where it is now. I mean, that's uh, yeah, it's absolutely crazy. Yeah. So I've known people that have lived here, you know, their entire lives, and it's uh, yeah, well, you know, people in Sandy as well. Oh, know? for sure. Yeah, yeah. Your your knowledge is wide range. That's why I would ask you, mm-hmm. what can we do in this community? And, and yeah. it sounds like you already have a, a pulse on that. Oh yeah, for sure. Look it's out, see of... something, say something. Absolutely. Community, yeah. yep. know your neighbor. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Things like that. Yep. Absolutely. You know, I want to get into this big deal. And sure. George Floyd is about two years out. Okay. But so much has changed in the area of policing since George Floyd. Mm-hmm. What are your feelings about this quote unquote flagship moment? for police officers, social unrest, social justice, all yeah. of those. Oh, man. Um, it's, you know, I'm certainly biased because the thing is, is during the civil unrest, I spent a lot of time, like, in it, you mm. know, down, you know, in downtown Portland. Um, I think that there are certain aspects of the movement that are valid, um, but then again, I think that there are other aspects that have just gone way too far. And I think that they have lost focus on what they were trying to accomplish. Lost focus on it. Um, sure. Tommy, my true, uh, I've talked to many police officers, mm-hmm. um, including um, you in some ways, mm-hmm. um, who have a lighter skin than me. And I knew how I felt during the George Floyd being dark skin. I went through a range of emotions, sure. you know, oh, could it be me? Yeah. Or, you know, just those, those, those symptoms that you go through. Yeah. But never once did I go through this one mm-hmm. there that institutionally mm-hmm. cops are racist. Sure. I've never gone to that space because I don't like to draw a broad brush. I don't, sure. I don't like that. Yeah. I don't like that. Just like Estacada is not a racist town. Mm-hmm. Uh, institutionally yeah you, you have people in pockets sure so you have those and you're always going to and you're always going right. to but it doesn't mean the whole apple or the whole basket about I don't I don't believe that one yeah. apple spoils the basket yeah and so when I saw when I heard some of your stories and other cop stories that say they're literally stunted in what they can do now yeah or second guess what they've been trained to do now mm-hmm. because of the per- color of a person's skin mm-hmm. That is problematic. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's just my opinion. Sure. That's just my opinion. Yeah. And that's my soapbox. It's problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so if I do wrong, I deserve what I get. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of old school like that. You know, I, I say this about my daughter. Daughter, you get up here and cut out. I love you to death. 
But if you steal something from a store, you're going to go right back and return it. Mm -hmm. And if yeah. that person wants to call the cops, they call the cops. Yeah. You get to talk to them too. Mm -hmm. I'm rather you learn how to respect authority at your age than to get up there and, and, and act like everybody owes you something. Sure. Because of the color of your skin, even though she's mulatto. She's black and white. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I asked you about that because there's a fact sheet that's gone out mm -hmm. about the George Floyd Justice Policing Act mm -hmm. of 2021. Yep. And you invite and you and I have unpacked that a little bit. Sure. And so I wanted to go down that kind of line by line and, yep. and just kind of jump into this one. Guys, yep. you want to hear this. One thing I'd like to add to, because you talked about like the range of emotion that you felt. Yeah. As feel, a free, feel free to ask me questions. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. But I mean, but also, I mean, I'd like to expand on that a little bit before yeah. we dive into this is that I remember watching that video and thinking to myself, like watching the police officer and I'm going, what the hell is he doing? And I'm just so I'm sitting there and I'm like, now, granted, they're like, you know, they come out with footage later on and this and that. But the thing is, like that time frame you know, the, the infamous time frame where, you know, he's, you know, you know, kneeling on the back of George Floyd. I'm going, what is he doing? I mean, it's just like, you're not the only one I've talked to. That's right. It. And so like, what I'm looking at this and I'm, you know, it's like, I have, I've got some medical training. I've been in these types of situations before. And I'm like, he's in handcuffs, put in the, put him in the recovery position on his side, call for an ambulance and get him, get him out of here, mm -hmm. get him, you know, get him, get him help. I'm like, what is happening? And then, of course, we hear later on about, you know, there's this communication breakdown and they're saying, well, we don't need an emergency. You know, we don't need, a, a, you know, um, an ambulance that. code three, uh -huh. you know. That. And so yep. there's just all these this chain of events that kicked off. But it started with it started with, you know, the like false currency. Well, it, yeah, exactly. Oh, is that what you're you Well, I mean, well, there's there's a lot of things we could go into. But like I said, when, if we focus on. You know, the initial video that was seen like across the world. Yes. I looked at that, you know, like from day one and I was going, what in the heck is this guy doing? Why is he doing this? Like, it was just so bizarre, you know, um, and that's really the only way like I just couldn't. And the thing is, you know, and of course I have a bias as a cop is I'm going to be like, OK, well, maybe this or maybe that. But the thing is, no matter how I dissected it, I couldn't justify the action. I just couldn't. You know what I mean? You couldn't justify the action. No. I couldn't justify the action. However, mm -hmm. I told you during break, I couldn't look at the cop's face. Okay. And the reason why I couldn't look at his face, mm -hmm. and when I actually did, I saw nothing. I didn't see racism. Mm -hmm. I saw nothing. His affect, as Apathy. we talk about. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Of, it was blank. Mm -hmm. So that tells me, where is his head right now? Sure. Yeah. Is it, is, does he have PTSD? Mm -hmm. Is something going on in his head that made that we don't know about because we're layered, right? And so yeah. that's what I was I was thinking that mm -hmm. I didn't go to racism, the optics, okay, yes, but I didn't go to that first. Right. Is there something wrong with me? No, I don't think so at all. I, I mean, but you know, like I said, I mean, that's it. Like I said, I just and, and who knows? We may we we may never know. And, and unfortunately, like in this in this day and age, like. Even with all the technology and everything that, you know, we have, you know, at our fingertips, like, you kind of have to live with that. You just don't, we just may not know. And we, know. and we live with clips. For sure. Film clips. Yeah. And we have to tell the holes, we have to fill in the holes right. of a story. Absolutely. We don't yes. really know. Right. 
we don't really know. That's yep. what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. But what we do know is that there's some rules for y'all now. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we know. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know. Yeah, we can we can we can launch into this. I mean, there's gonna be some things that maybe uh -huh. you know, and I don't wanna be like facetious or anything, like but there are certain things that I look at this um yeah, go, go ahead. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's some pieces, like sure. one, establishing a national standard for the operation of police departments. Number two, mandate data collection for police encounters, mm -hmm. reprogramming existing funds and investing transformation mm -hmm. in community-based programs okay. and things like that, and streamlining federal uh, law uh, to prosecute excessive force and establishing independent pr uh, prosecutors for police investigations. Mm -hmm. But actually, the bigger piece of this is the first one, work on, uh, uh, to work to end racial and religious profiling mm -hmm. is one of the acts, uh, one of the lines of the uh, yes. act. Yeah. Um, anything on that? Well, it's interesting because it's kind of like, I thought that this had been settled a long time ago. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe I'm missing something, but the thing is like, no, we cannot racially profile. Uh, I can't religiously profile. I can't... Um, it, there's kind of some some statements in here that are kind of overbroad. It says requires law enforcement to collect data on all investigatory activities. It doesn't really give me much to go on. Maybe there's more information out there somewhere, but it's yeah. kind of like, you know, um, now maybe you do that through like computer analog data or CAD, you know, that just kind of tracks where we're going and what we're doing and who we're contacting and that Is sort that of thing. Is that the CAD device that you use that before you stop a person? Right. And yeah, so we but, talked a little bit about that before. Right. So like stop data collection is a good example. And yeah, that's something that we've done for a long time. And then in terms of like work to end, like racial and religious profiling, like, yeah, we can't do that. And we've, at least as long as I've been a cop, like we've never been allowed to do that. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And so, and you know, my father was in law enforcement. He wasn't allowed to do that, you know? Right. So it's just kind of like, so I'm like, okay, cool. I'm good with that. That kind of goes without saying. I would not be, uh, that doesn't, that doesn't hurt my feelings. It's not, that's, uh, those, those are all good things, you know. Save so. lives uh -huh. by banning chokeholds and no knock warrants. Mm -hmm. So I can't speak for the entire country, but I can definitely speak for issues like this on the region. A lot of agencies in the Pacific Northwest, um, early on in my career, I was kind of like given the, um, they kind of showed us the concept of like a chokehold, but that's something that you have to like train a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's, it's something that I've definitely never, I've been in definitely, I've definitely been in use of force incidents, some minor, some fairly major, and I've never used a chokehold, nor have I thought about using a chokehold. Now, the one thing that I would say in terms of like, um, in terms of like a ban, like I would want to like, here's the thing. If I'm in, like, speaking honestly, like, if I'm in a knockdown, drag out fight for my life. Yes. And that's what I have to do. Like, as terrible as this or as cold as it sounds, like, dead is dead. Dead is dead. So it's like, if I shoot somebody or if I run them over with a patrol car or if I choke them, like, that's, like, that is, some, like, so am I going to be in, like, more trouble or less trouble? Like, I, so that's the thing is... And like I said, looking at this list, I'm sure that I'm sure that like there's more of like an expansion on what the, what this def, you know what these definitions are. It would go into some maybe more explanation, but I'm just looking at what's in front of me. So yeah. And then in terms of like no knock warrants, yeah. Um, so it says bans no knock warrants in drug cases at the federal level and conditions law enforcement funding for state and local governments banning no knock warrants at the local and state level. 
Um, I've done several search warrants throughout the course of my career. I've never applied for a no-knock warrant. Um, it's pretty... I, I Isn't it difficult to... Yeah, it's it's difficult to get. And then also, uh-huh. too, it's fairly fairly rare. But but here's the thing. Like, at the end of the day, like, I that wouldn't hurt my feelings. That no. wouldn't hurt your feelings. No, not at all. You, you said you hadn't used a chokehold in all of your career. Correct. And you've been in law enforcement for how long? 17 years. 17 years and yeah. you've never used... I've never shot chokehold. anybody. Really? Yeah. You are really good at de-escalation, brother. Well, and that's... A, but ah. here's the thing. Like, hey. many... A lot of cops... Actually, it's not a statement of being good or oh, not. Oh, for sure. No, really, but that's just it, though. It's like a lot of police officers will go through their career and they won't discharge their weapons at anybody. And that's like... I mean, that's it's not... It's not like the cop shows you see. Right. You know, where it's shoot them up, bang, bang. Yeah. Oh, it's God. not that. No. No, no not So you haven't... Wow. Wow. Well, here's this one. Mm-hmm. Limited military equipment okay. on American streets and mm-hmm. um, requires body cameras. Okay. So in terms so do of, you use military equipment on the streets? Um, I know that our city and other cities around the area have like um, like armored vehicles, uh-huh. but like like people are used to seeing armored vehicles. They people transport money in them and all kinds yes. of stuff like that. But that's basically kind of the same idea. Yes. Um, I there might be people out there with like tanks or something. I don't know, but I you know I but I uh, haven't seen a police tank yet. <laughs> I personally haven't. Maybe I, mean, I haven't. Maybe but... I've I've, I've, I've like. like you see about it or you hear about it, period. I've never actually seen it. But um, yeah. but as far as, like, military-grade equipment, it's kind of like, okay, well, what does that mean? Are we talking about um, – I would be curious to know is are we talking about, like, um, like fully automatic weapons or weapons that are capable of having, like, fully yes. automatic – What are we know, meaning by military? Right. And so, like, like I said, I, that's something that I would kind of like to expand on and see – the other part of it, too, in, in what I would want people to be careful on is that if you look at, like, school shootings. Yes. You look at, um, you know, the uh, the Hollywood um, the Hollywood bank robbery, the infamous Hollywood bank robbery where the guys took over and they went on a shooting spree in, L- in L.A. or in, in North Hollywood for, you know, for, I mean, close to, God, was it 45 minutes? Was it an hour? Maybe longer? Yeah. I don't know. But the thing is, is that... The reason why we use certain things, you know, or we have um, certain equipment is because criminals do the same thing. And so we need to be able to keep up with or match the force of, you know, those types of situations. Keep up with or match the force of. Correct. Not disarming police officers. Correct. Right, right. You know, um, we've come to... Almost the edge of our of our time, and there's a lot more to the George Floyd mm-hmm. Policing Act. I would love to talk with you about Absolutely. on yep. another show. For sure. Um, I'd be happy to come back. But before we go, mm-hmm. actually, um, I want to ask you the last question, if you oblige me. What yes. do you like to do in your free time, man? Oh, gosh. What free time, right? Yeah, exactly. Don't you get I called out to stand down? All the time. You know, it's, it's, yes, all or the stand time. up? Yes. Yeah. So what do you like to do in your free time? Um, I've been, um, an avid music lover ever since I was a kid. I like motorcycles and, uh, my boys and I really have enjoyed fishing. So we're really into fishing right now and camping. Yeah. Every time I call you're either at the, with the boys doing mm-hmm. the dad thing going yep. fishing or playing in a band. Yep. Do you want to say your band name? Nope. Okay. You don't have to say <laughs> nope. 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 All you know, it's just really good. Um, so let's see. Tommy and friends. Tommy and friends. Yeah, Actually, that's what we'll call it. Yes. Yes. Yep, yes. That's what yes. We'll call it. So this guy is amazing. Thank you 
Thank you, thank you tonight for joining absolutely me at the Backwoods Brothers table. Yep. This is not the last time, so you better you Thanks know just for the keep warning. that. Yeah, you better yep. just keep that plaid. Perfect. Try to match Joel when you're on with him too. I'll never take it off. <laughs> yep. Thank you, George. Hey, thank you, viewers. Guys, do not, do not forget to. You said it earlier. Smash that like button and subscribe. Yes, smash it. it. Smash it. Like, share, subscribe, interact with us. Remember, we're going to be talking about some of those things that you might have put online next week. So we'll just continue that conversation. Um, also, give Joel a big shout out and a happy birthday. We love you, man. And we will see you next week. And Joel always says this, but don't forget to start a conversation. Ready? Start, Start a, a conversation. conversation or continue it or whatever it was. Guys, we'll see you next week. Goodbye.